0: I just think like dopamine, if, if I'm going to paint a picture, it's the, the old cartoon of like a donkey with a stick tied to its back and a <laughs> carrot hanging out in front yep. and you're just literally constantly chasing you're never gonna get chasing, it. And, chasing yeah. and chasing and you'll literally never catch that carrot, but it's in front of you. It's in front of you. Like think about how many, when you're chasing that carrot, how many great vegetables and foods that you're stepping over. Mm-hmm. Because you're not, you're not even focused on the journey. You're focused on that carrot that's yeah. in front of you.
1: Part four, Tyler, we've made it. We, we did it. Our four-part study is coming to an end, uh, coming to a close today. The Molecule of More... How a single chemical in your brain drives love, sex, and creativity and will determine the fate of the human race. And we've teased this a few times now that we're going to talk about today, how dopamine is going to end humanity. And we're going to dive into that here in just a minute. But actually, ultimately, how do we snatch humanity out of the, the jaws of defeat and ultimately find balance in our lives uh, and handle this, this dopamine. So um, parts one through three, go back and listen. If you haven't uh, already paused this episode, go back and listen to those. That, that kind of builds the story of where we are today. And then, again, we'll finish it with, okay, now that we know everything about dopamine and we have all this information, now what do we do with it? How do we, yeah. how do we make, practically use it in our day-to-day life? But before we get there, I do want to thank our partners, uh, Choctaw Casino and Resort and Sleep Number, it's football season coming yeah, up. Hey. I mean, we're, we're talking when this episode goes live, it's August. First week of August, second week of August.
0: Yeah, so we'll be getting in the first, yeah. first round of preseason games. That's right. That's yeah. right.
1: Football's back on the TV. Your, our, our boys are starting their flag football seasons. But yep. why I bring that up in Choctaw is they have this amazing sports bar. Unbelievable. Called The League. And if you have yet to go up to The League for a game yet, I highly, highly recommend especially when the Cowboys are playing. Yep. We were up there last year for the playoff game, and the league was I'm th- there. Was there were had to have been over two hundred and fifty people in there. Oh my gosh! Just, but it didn't feel like it. It, it wasn't.
0: It wasn't like overwhelming right. because the, you forget everything else because the screen is oh, so big. It's, it's this continuous screen that literally is like one hundred and eighty degrees of this. It's unbelievable, and there's multiple games going on. Like if you uh, if you are into watching sports, whether for recreation, for camaraderie, or for monetary gain. Yeah. It is the best place anywhere to watch.
1: If you like food. Oh my gosh, dude. And <laughs> if you, you, you like a drink.
0: <laughs> and who was one of us? I was on
1: seven. Yeah. I was doing 75. Hard. Yeah. You were on 75. So I didn't get to appreciate any of it. That's right. Cause yeah. you started
0: January. Oh, it was so yeah. good. It was so good. I specifically didn't, didn't
1: start 75 hard because of that. It's <laughs> like, no, nah, we're going to the league. So I, more oh. incentive now for me to get up there, there you go. doing one of these Cowboys games yeah. so I can try out all the food. And we'll so, be
0: up there this fall, so yes. just, you know,
1: yep. stay tuned and we'll give you some time to come join us yeah. up there. We've got a couple of appearances scheduled for the season, uh, so we'd love to meet you guys. Yep. Love to hang out and watch, watch the Cowboys hopefully win, even though I'm not so sure how good we're going to be, but... Anyway, get yourself up to Choctaw Casino yeah. and Resort this season. And then secondly, when you're not at Choctaw and you're at home and trying to get a good night's sleep, uh, of course, you got no to turn to No better tool friends. and resource. That's right. you got to turn to our friends at Sleep Number. They are changing the game. They are the Tesla of mattresses. That's right. This isn't your old mama's and grandma's old yeah. <laughs> stiff mattress. This yeah. is high technology that tells you literally everything you would want to know about your sleep quality. Which that's the name of the game. we it's starting to become more uh popular. It's starting to become more um important. People are starting to be more mindful of high quality sleep and how important it is. And so sleep Number is doing everything that they can to change the game with sleep. So highly recommend get yourself to a sleep number score. Got to Store. Store. Score. Get store the number, so you store, can store so you can check out your score. Yep. Which Tyler's was probably in the sixties last night because he's got wax sleep. Sixty five. Yeah. Yeah, Tyler's got wax sleep, so just below uh, my average. <laughs> if you go to their website and you read their articles on how to improve your sleep, maybe you'd improve your sleep. I would. Have would. I have tons of need, resources. I need
0: more than four and a half
1: hours of sleep, though. <laughs> tons to of resources me. on SleepNumber.com, or also pop into a local store. They're everywhere. So thank you to Sleep Number. All right, yeah. Back to the topic at hand. So again, we've teased it. We've built up to this to this uh, to this moment where we're going to talk about the end of humanity. But before we get there, we need to recognize and understand. So how did we even get here in anyway in the first place? How did humanity advance from thousands of years ago? How did we make progress? How did we populate other parts of the world? How did we like, what drove us to go explore? That's what this first section opens up with. And then also opens up with, you know, you had your high dopamine people that wanted to explore and go off and, and, and discover new areas the people with the lower dopamine tended to settle and that's kind of where they would stick around and how dopamine was helpful in exploration and and finding new areas, but also how it could potentially hurt in community building as well. And that was this first section. So from the book says change is stressful, both good and bad change among our evolutionary ancestors. People who were sensitive to stress had a harder time extracting resources from environments that represented a large change from what they were used to. They were less successful hunters and less productive gatherers that made it hard for them to compete for reproductive mates and sometimes they didn't even live long enough to have children who would carry on their genes forward to the next generation not everyone gets stressed by change though a new job a new city even a whole new career can be exciting and energizing for people with dopaminergic personalities yeah we call them psychopaths (laughs) In prehistoric times, th- that's not in the book, by the way, I added that part. That was, that was commentary
0: from <laughs> Mr. Ben Gibbs.
1: In prehistoric times, they were more likely to cope well despite radical changes in their way of life. They competed more successfully from mates, and as a result, they passed along their dopaminergic genes. So that's pretty cool how dopamine uh, helped those individuals out. People with dopaminergic p- personalities may do well when coping with novel situations, but they often have difficulty with relationships. They're important. that's important because skillful social functioning also provides an evolutionary advantage. No matter how big, how strong, or how smart a person is, he's not going to be able to compete with people who work together as a group. In this situation, when the need for cooperation is paramount, a dopaminergic personality is a liability. Mm. So it all depends on the environment. Under familiar conditions, in, with, in which social cooperation counts the most, highly dopaminergic genes become less common because their survival and mate-seeking advantages diminish relative to the benefits of more be- balanced dopamine levels. On the other hand, when a tribe picks up and heads off in the unknown, genes that give a person a more active dopamine system provide an advantage and become more common over time. Mm. So I thought that was interesting. How, And it's really a common theme in this whole book. The dopamine drives you to improvement, mm-hmm. but then at a certain point, it hinders improvement. So yes, it drove these early, you know, early ancestors to discover new land and, and new resources and things like that. But then when they got there and they're now they're settled, these high dopamine people had, had trouble adapting because they didn't get along with others as well.
0: Well, again, all I heard from that section was (laughs) they were too busy chasing tail.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That was a lot of reading and that's all you got. (laughs) There we go.
0: Yeah. Girls get in the way again. You hear that? You hear that, boys? It's all your fault, women.
1: It's always your fault. (laughs) No, but I just thought that was interesting how, like I said, it it drives you to progress, Uh but it can hinder you in some ways from making progress as well. Uh, And then it goes on to early Americans were extremely dopaminergic. We talked about this last week. It makes sense, right? Yeah. To leave everything you've ever known Mm -hmm. in England, to come over here, To a new land that's, you know, unknown, scary, you have no idea what's going on, that takes dopamine. Remember,
0: remember a a big percentage of people that came, they didn't have a choice. True. There was a lot of, um, there's a lot of immigrants brought here as indentured servants or, you know, prisoners. I mean, there's, there's a bunch of reasons, a bunch of people, but yes. So, Hey, new opportunity, the land of the opportunity, the colonies, you know, all of that. Um, so that, and then also the ability to say, okay, now we're here. We don't like this. We want something bigger and better. And mother England can't give it to us from across mm-hmm. this, across the ocean. Mm-hmm. So now we're going to, we're going to go to war with you yep. and we're going to earn our own freedom and start our own country. I mean, the all time entrepreneur story, right? Yeah. So I mean, think seriously. about it, right? Mm-hmm. Like we're going to start something completely new, mm-hmm. never been done. The idea of capitalism didn't exist. I mean, so something completely new. Yeah. I mean, those
1: the forefathers, yeah. highly dopaminergic. <laughs> and not only establishing on the east coast of the United States at the time, yeah. but think about all the settlers that said, hey, well, we're going west. Yeah. Let's go see what's out there. Let's go to California. Yeah. Now, that yeah. obviously, it wasn't California back then, but yeah. those people were extremely dopaminergic too to want to explore yeah. Yeah. the unknown uh, to head west. And well, so, it's like the Oregon Trail. Yep. Like it's people like, hey. Did we're you play gonna- that game by the way in middle school? That computer game. Is uh, that a thing? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Every,
0: I think everybody did. I in love that. Everybody game, did in school. Dude. Dude. I think that yes. was like one of those one of those things you had to do. But if you watched 1883, have you mm-hmm. watched it yet? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. So that that's the story of leaving Fort Worth, Texas, going mm-hmm. to Oregon because they were giving away land in Oregon, mm-hmm. and it's beautiful and all these things. But like, in order to get that. The chance there's about ten percent of you that are going to actually live through this journey. Yeah, yeah. And it's just interesting. It's well, that's dopamine that drove him, right? That's A right. better life, that's more right. land. Yeah, that's, that's the that's dopamine. Tim McGraw's topic. whole thing yeah. in the, his character in that yeah. is he's like, no, I want something. I don't know what it is, but when I see
1: it, I'll know I'm I'll there. Know. That's that dopamine yeah. lying to him, saying it's yeah. better. It's better out there. <laughs> <Yeah>. It's better. <laughs> hey, green. Gr- is Grass is greener on the other side.
0: <laughs> no, it's not. Well,
1: R. I. P. Tim McGraw. Yeah. Not he's really. Still, he's still alive. He's still alive. He's still good. So, from the book, one of the earliest observers of American culture was Alexis de Tocqueville, a French diplomat, political scientist, and historian. Tocqueville described his observations of the character of Americans during the 19th century in his book, Democracy in America. Much of what Tocqueville, much of what Tocqueville observed could be attributed to a dopaminergic personality. For example, he devotes a chapter to fanatical enthusiasm in some Americans. He wrote... Although the desire of acquiring the good things of this world is the prevailing passion of the American people, certain momentary outbreaks occur when their souls seem suddenly to burst the bonds of matter by which they are restrained and to soar impetuously towards heaven. In this single sentence, we see a passionate pursuit of more as well as an attraction to things beyond the realm of the physical senses. Tocqueville found that behaviors of this nature were particularly common in the adventurer's and the adventurous pioneers who settled the Western states who were more likely to have risk-taking, sensation-seeking personalities and possibly genetic loading for hyper-dopaminergic states. A subsequent chapter titled Causes of the Restless Spirit of Americans in the Midst of Their Prosperity expanded on the dopaminergic theme of never enough. Tocqueville noted that despite living in the happiest circumstances which the world affords, Americans pursued a better life with feverish adore he wrote in the united states a man builds a house to spend his later years in and he sells it before the roof is on he plants a garden and rents it just as the trees are coming coming into bearing he brings a field into tillage and leaves other men to gather the crops he embraces a profession and gives it up he settles in a place which he soon afterward leaves to carry his changeable belongings elsewhere if his private affairs leave him any leisure he, is in, he instantly plunges into the vortex of politics. And if at the end of the year of unremitting labor, he finds he has a few days vacation, his eager curiosity whirls him over the vast extent of the United States, and he will travel 1,500 miles in a few days to shake off his happiness.
0: <laughs> I mean, is that, is that any, not nailed it? Is that it? any less true today?
1: More true today. Yeah absolutely more true today. I mean, there's so many aspects in that one last paragraph that we could attack. And when we talk about it all week, we're It's, it's a constant competition and I'm all for competition. Don't get me wrong. I'm all for, you know, wanting to strive to be your best. If anybody's after self-improvement, it's me, right? The problem is me is I'm constantly, I got to be careful with what sources because if I'm seeing so-and-so saying work 24-7, 365, or this lady who's doing the same thing, to me, that can start to take away, as this yeah. says, my happiness. Yeah. And again, maybe for you, that's, that's what you want. You want to be drive 24-7? Go for it. That's, that's all you. For me personally, I've made the decision, though, that's not what I'm about. I want to yeah. have a little bit more of a balance there. In my to yeah, it's
0: hard, right? Because the messaging that we receive today is it's coming from people that are making money, whether directly or indirectly, from these speeches and quotes. And they have it all figured out. And you throw a little motivational music behind it, right? And now it becomes truth. And, like, this is what it means to be happy. Um, work, work, work. You know, gather, gather, gather. Uh, collect, and then once you get to that one and you reach that level, then you're going to be happy. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, again, I, I, what I would argue is, is if you're listening to this advice, like try to figure out what their, their social, their relationship life is, what their actual quality of life is. I mean, there's a lot of people that have uh, been highly successful in a monetary aspect. Mm-hmm. That you just look at and you're like, "There's no chance in hell I would take that life, Yeah. ever." Yeah. And you just got, you've got to figure that out. And and again, chasing it. The the uh, one of the things that he said in there is that you build a house and sell it before the roof is on. I mean, think about that. Like as soon as we start to see, like profit, mm-hmm. on to the next one. Yep. On to the next. Yep. On to the next. On to the next. And man. I, there's so many times we've talked about. There's so many times like I would just love to just sell everything, and go move into the mountains of Montana or Wyoming or Idaho or something like that, and just like appreciate like the beauty that God has created for us, and we just never stop to look around and see those things. What keeps you from doing that?
1: Dopamine.
0: <laughs> really though. Yeah. Like and then and, yeah, and there's there's a lot of there's a lot of things. No,
1: but like that. like. In practical terms, what keeps you from it? Is it you want to make more money? Is it uh, I've got these I, dreams it's of... Because it, it's a pretty selfish dream. Yeah. Uh,
0: it, I don't know if... Like, Tiffany always says, like, whatever makes you happy will make me happy. And I get it. Um, but that's also, like, me saying, whatever makes you happy, Tiffany, will make me happy. And it's like, eh. yeah, I don't know if, <laughs> like, shopping and doing nails, like, is... And I, I was totally yeah. shot at her. That's not her. Like, she's she's amazing. But... It's like I, I, ranching for her is not what she wants to do. I mean, I don't even know if it's what I want to do. That's yeah. the problem. That's one of it. And then also, too, like with the kids, it's like, okay, what opportunities am I going to give the kids? You know, going to school where, like, there's there's got to be an element of selflessness in those kinds of decisions as well. Like, what is going to be better for everybody, too? Um, but here I am just making excuses. Yeah, I'm just, no, for, no, no, no. I'm just waiting for it to hit the fan bad enough that it's like, yeah. There's no excuses anymore.
1: Well, and I and I'm with you. It's that sounds like a you know fairy tale ending, right? You sell everything and you go off and but the reality is, I'm just too damn selfish to do anything like that. And I want more. That's that's just that's just who I, that's not how I'm built. It's not good enough, and this becomes a problem because if I look at my life right now, you know the old cliche you you dreamed about these days. There's yeah. one, you know. That's that's my life right now. Yeah. Ten years ago, this is what I was working for. Yeah, is the life I have today. Yeah, and I don't say that conceitfully. I say that in my mind, though, in my heart, it's not good enough. Yeah. I haven't done enough yet because yeah. I'm still now comparing myself to other people who have way. Yeah. I haven't even scratched the surface, in my opinion, of what I'm capable yeah. of. So that dopamine is continue. And I think there's there's a certain there's a certain good part of that, good aspect of that's gonna keep me driving and and there's survival that we've talked about the last few weeks. There's a survival component, obviously. You don't wanna be stagnant. Your body doesn't want homeostasis, it wants improvement. So I get that part. But the other part, it's like that's a stressful way that I live my life. Again. We just had a conversation last night, my wife and I, about money. And it's like, again, we're we're we are in a place where we've dr- where we dreamed about yeah. money. And yet the conversations are still the same of, well, how now do we get to the next point? Yeah. Yeah. And it's apparent from this book that that's never going to stop. Yeah. So how do I manage that the best way possible? And we're going to talk about that here in a little bit.
0: Yeah. I just think like dopamine, if, if I'm going to paint a picture, it's the, the old cartoon of like a donkey with a stick tied to its back and a <laughs> carrot hanging out in front. Yep. And you're just literally constantly yeah. chasing, never gonna get chasing it. and chasing and yeah. chasing. And you'll literally never catch that carrot, but it's in front of you. It's in front of you. Like think about how many, when you're chasing that carrot, how many great vegetables and foods that you're stepping over mm-hmm. because you're not, you're not even focused on the journey. You're focused
1: on that carrot that's yeah. in front of you. Yeah. It's, it's both maddening and exciting yeah. in, a, in a certain way. Yeah. Um, And again, we're going to talk about some practical ways that you can, try to strike that balance a little bit. Yeah. So that's not a con because it's going to take practice just like anything else. It's a skill yeah. to be able to appreciate the here and now. Yep. Okay. So f- finally to the point, we set it up. These here's four ways that this book lays out that dopamine is going to end the human race. You ready All for right, these? Let's go. And here's a little intro to it. When the human race lives in scarcity and on the brink of extinction, the drive for more kept us alive. Dopamine was the engine of progress. But an environment of plenty in which we have mastered our world and developed sophisticated technology in a time when more is no longer a matter of survival, dopamine continues to drive us forward, perhaps to our own destruction. As a species, we have become far more powerful than when when our brains first developed. Technology develops fast while evolution is slow. Our brains evolved at a time when survival was in doubt. That's less of a problem in the modern world, but we're stuck in our ancient brains. It's possible that we don't last beyond another half dozen generations. We've simply become too good at gratifying our dopaminergic desires. Not all forms of more and new and novel are good for an individual. And the same is true for our species. Dopamine doesn't stop. It drives us ever onward into the abyss. Mm. So here's four ways this book lays out that, that dopamine is going to end humanity and whether you agree, disagree, whatever. I just thought it was interesting. Uh, the, the reasons that it laid out. Number one, nuclear bombs. <laughs> nuclear Armageddon is the most obvious way in which dopamine can destroy humanity. Highly dopaminergic scientists have built doomsday weapons for highly dopaminergic rulers. Over time, more and more countries are acquiring nuclear capabilities and someday, someone's dopamine circuits might come to the conclusion that the best way to maximize future resources is to press that button. <laughs> Although that line was interesting. Dopaminergic scientists have built doomsday weapons for highly dopaminergic rulers. Mm -hmm. I mean, think about the people that are in control of these nuclear bombs right now. You've got the dude over in North Korea. You got the dude over in Russia. We had Trump (laughs) two years ago. (laughs) who had had control over ours. I mean, it's some whack people that are in control. If one of them decides one day, the best thing for... The only way I'm going to get more. The only way I'm going to get more is by pressing this button. This other one. And, you know, obviously the media, they overplay a lot of things, but yeah. who knows? Maybe right now we're as close as we've ever been to that, to that potential outcome. Yeah. It's, 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 it's just, almost too big to think about. It, it, it,
0: well, I, the problem is, is yeah, it's not that far off. I mean, how many, how many tests has North Korea done? How much, how, how, how much mobilization has China done? How much, I mean... Russia's already shown that, like, yeah. hey, we
1: don't care. What are you going to do? <laughs> yeah, what are you going to do? You know? We, so we it own it the world.
0: Like it literally, at any moment, could pop off. Yeah.
1: yeah. The second one, and this one's, this one's controversial out in the, the media land, is climate change. Another obvious doomsday scenario involves dopamine driving us on to greater and greater consumption until we destroy the planet. More than half of greenhouse gases are generated by burning fossil fuel to make cement, steel, plastics, and chemicals. As more countries are lifted out of poverty, the demand for these materials increases. Everybody wants more, and for a significant plurality of nations, more isn't, isn't the pursuit of luxury, it's the climb out of crushing poverty. Behaviors driven by dopamine will need to be drastically suppressed at the end, and the era of better, faster, cheaper, and more will have to end. It is kind of wild and not, not getting into the political side of it, but it is kind of crazy. Like you think of these third world countries that are just trying to get yeah. to a normal civilization. Yeah. And now we're trying to put the kibosh on all yeah. this, you know, green. Yeah. just, been, when they're coming out of it, yeah. we're trying to cut out. We've the been enjoying this stuff for yeah. 150 years, but yeah. now, now yeah. that you have, it, right. No, 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 yeah. no. Yeah. Yeah. Let's put it's, all these regulations. But, it,
0: but, but it makes sense though. It really does. I mean, think of all the things. I mean, think of the amount of waste. Okay, for example, and this is this is not necessarily bad, like, bad for the environment, but kind of, like, we got a, a case of bottled waters, right? Because we can't drink regular water at our house. It has to be bottled, yeah. right? You can't drink faucet water. Ew.
1: <laughs> That's what peasants drink. Sorry. I'm but I did hear a, a somebody said, how much of an asshole do you have to be to be that bougie that you're complaining about tap water that... How much, what percentage of the world so much doesn't of the get? the
0: world doesn't get.
1: And you're complaining about that's it. tap water? And so
0: we eat this flat of water and there's like six or six or seven of the bottles that have like a hole in it. So it's leaking water. So I'm literally dumping full water bottles because there's a leak in it. So <laughs> I'm and dumping it down the drain. Like people. In, it's funny, but we've all been there. No, I yeah. Central America, South America, Africa. I mean, that are like, all we want is clean water and mm-hmm. you're dumping it down the drain. Our
1: toilet water is cleaner than most countries drinking yeah. water. Yeah.
0: That's what's that's what's sad. But so I, I get it, right? Is I understand the the countries that are coming out of poverty because that's what we're trying to do, right? Is we're trying to eliminate and eradicate poverty yeah. across the world. Like so many nonprofits out there trying to do this. But now they
1: become consumers when yeah. they're out
0: of it. And think about, and again, I don't know the science behind the whole global warming. I, yeah. I mean, there's
1: a, I, I, don't I don't know. I don't think there's a debate at this point that we're making an effect, that human beings are making an effect on the climate. I think it's, the debate is yeah, to yeah, what degree, I don't know, man. to like, what degree?
0: Uh, it's okay. My whole thing is like, yeah, you're saying there's an effect, you, you, you're you correlating and maybe there are some hard, but there's also cycles. Sure. in in earth like there's the ice age there's you know there's hot drought times like again we're saying oh my gosh over the last 15 years like 15 years on the timeline of earth is nothing Mm -hmm. and yes like we've seen glaciers melt we've seen the polar ice caps like they've diminished like i get all that but like how do we know that this isn't just a cycle that we're going through like there's so many factors so again i'm not saying it's not true i'm not saying it is true but you flat earthers, you guys need to chill.
1: <laughs> At least according to those book, the constant drive for more consumption. Yes, yes. the consumption, and I understand a, yeah, that is making an effect. That. Number three, advanced computers. This one, this one gets to your sci-fi. This one, it's this one scratches your sci-fi itch. Ty. I know you're a big Matrix, sci-fi guy. The Matrix. Yeah. Is that what it's gonna happen advanced there? computers. Computers that are smarter than people will fundamentally change the world. Every year, we make faster and more powerful computers thanks to our dopamine-driven ability. To use abstract concepts to create new technology computers that use the sorry computers that are programmed using traditional techniques are completely predictable they follow a clear set of instructions to get from the beginning of a calculation to the end newer developments in artificial intelligence however create unpredictable results instead of the programmer determining how the computer works the computer modifies itself based on how successful it will be at reaching its goal. As a result, no one knows precisely what a superintelligent computer might do. An artificial intelligence that programs its own circuits might one day come to the conclusion that eliminating the human race is the best way to accomplish its goal. One option is to simply stop making computers with artificial intelligence. However, that would diminish our ability to pursue more so we can rule that one out. Dopamine will drive the science forward whether it's good for us or not. Supercomputers, what do you think? I mean, can can you get on board that I can get there on board. might be a supercomputer that's going to eliminate us all? Man,
0: I am not uh, not a hater of this. Like, I know Terminator 2, Rise of the Machines, like, all this stuff. Like, but, but, there there is a there is a point where we continue to push the level of artificial intelligence. Like, not that, like, they're going to band together and create. But, like, theoretically, right, it's... Yeah. If it can literally learn from itself and make itself smarter and we continue to develop smarter and uh, more complicated, you know, artificial intelligence programs and, and machines, like, that's scary.
1: Well, think about You've heard of Neuralink. Have you heard of this? Yeah. Elon Musk saying yeah. that he's going to implant chips into our brain and we won't have to talk to each other anymore. Yeah. Think about what that's going to do. Dude. I mean.
0: But again, and how much it's going to learn like if if we create something that completely knows ex- everything about us, how we think, how we act um that's scary too.
1: Did you and, see the robot a few weeks ago? Sorry, I keep jumping but Yeah. There was a robot playing chess with that 7-year-old in Russia. Did you see this?
0: That's yeah, see that to <laughs> me that to me is less less worrisome sure. because sure. that's, that's just a complicated algorithm. Right. Like there's only so many options, right? right? There's a finite number of options, finite. Like I can put in literally every se- Now it's millions and millions. Wait, but of did you hear what
1: the robot did though? No. Oh, so yeah. yeah. So seven year old boys playing this robot and it's, I think it's three boys and a robot playing chess together, like a little round table. I don't understand chess. I don't know how it works, but suppose the way this robot's programmed it moves, and you have to give it a second before you make your move. Well, this pro, this robot moved its piece, and the boy immediately knew wanted, what he wanted to do next and moved his piece like immediately. Yeah. Robot grabs his hand and breaks the kid's finger. Wouldn't yeah. let it go. Yes. Grabbed the kid's finger and broke it. So that's what I'm talking about. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> that's some, that's some wild stuff right there. The computer, they're they're they're, they're getting too smart. Don't be playing chess against. Ternators coming to fruition. What's yes. Arnold
0: when you need him? Yes.
1: And now you, us two idiots, are nowhere near. Should be speaking on computer technology, but wow. I don't know. Kind of interesting. This last one, though. This one, this is the one that I think makes the most sense. You know, the other three maybe they're controversial and debatable. Yeah. This last one, I don't. I'm not sure there's much debate on this last one, and it's the decline in replacement fertility. Mm. Dopamine-driven technology. Sorry, hold on. Let me make sure I'm good. Yep. Oh, sorry. Hold on. Well, this is awkward. Tyler, fill, yeah. fill, fill, fill the space. <laughs> uh, David, edit. David, edit. David, edit. <laughs> okay. No, we're good. We're good. All right. So, decline and replacement fertility. Dopamine-driven technology advances make it make it even easier for us to gratify our needs and desires. Dopamine drives our lives faster and faster. It takes more education to keep up. We work longer hours. There are more members to read, reports to write, and emails to be answered. It never stops. We're expected to be available at all times of the day and night. When someone at work wants us, we must respond immediately. Advertisements show a smiley man responding to texts on the beach or a woman by the hotel pool checking her cell phone screen to tap into a video feed of her empty house. What a relief. With so many ways to have fun, so many years to devote to education, and so much time spent working, something has to give. And that something is family. According to the U.S. Census Bureau, between 1976 and 2012, the number of childless home childless women in America approximately doubled. Mm. Future-focused dopamine no longer drives couples to have children because people who live in the do- developed countries don't depend on their children to support them in their old age. Government-funded retirement plans take care of that. The end result is a dopaminergic colla- as a demographic collapse. About half the world lives in a country with below-replacement fertility. Replacement fertility is the number of children each couple must have to prevent a decline in the population. All European countries, as well as Australia, Canada, Japan, South Korea, and New Zealand, have transitioned to below-replacement fertility rates. The United States has enjoyed a more stable rate, largely because of the influx of immigrants from developing countries who haven't let yet lost the habit of continuing the survival of the human race but given but even in developing countries birth rates are falling brazil china costa rica iran lebanon singapore thailand tunisia and vietnam have all transitioned to below
0: replacement. See that you're, you're right that is alarming because hugely alarming. just the the amount and again it's it's i think it comes down to like selfishness like it's it's normal to be 35 and whether you're married or not, it's like, no, 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 I'm going to do me before I have kids. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get to this. I'm going to do all the things that I want to. Kids just get in the way. And then before you know it, you're 45 and you're like, I'm too old to have kids. So there's a huge number, like you said, of motherless women out there. Um, and then two, as you're looking at the family, now it's like, oh, no, no, no. I don't have to change my life if I have one, maybe two. But, like, one is good, like, and because we can still do it. They're easy to get a babysitter because we still want to live our life. I just feel like people are less and less um, willing to change their lives for kids. And, yeah. and, I th- and I, in my opinion, are missing out on some of the best things that, like, we were created to
1: experience. And I get the struggle. I mean, I'm a father of two. And selfish, yeah. It's so easy for me to pursue business. Sorry, Whitney Whitney told me you guys are having three more. (laughs) Yeah, oh man, that'd be crazy. Uh, but it's so easy to pursue business success and personal success. And so, even though I have, even though we have children, I totally get the draw of wanting to pursue no doubt, no doubt.
0: And think about this how many times have. Have we said this or heard people say this? Well, I want to get to a place that, like, I can support them, that I've got enough, and that their lives are better. Mm-hmm. Their lives are better than mine. And, like, that's a very valid and very selfless way to think of it. Um, but now we go back to the coddling of the American mm-hmm. mind, and now we're not, we're not putting our kids through situations that actually build resilience and build critical thinking and build creativity and all the things that you can do going through adversity and challenges and tough times, problem solving, all all of those things. But it's, no, no, no. I want it to be perfect for them. And that's, well,
1: think about the the culture debates right now. A couple of them, number one, abortion. The big argument is not the big argument. I've heard this said that a baby gets in the way of pursuing what I want to pursue in this life. Right. Well, that's the, that's one issue. The law in California, the law in California is post partum, like after they're
0: born, mm-hmm. you can say, no, they are a burden on my life. Mm-hmm. I can abort. Yeah, that's yeah, what
1: they were proposing. Yeah, there was an article written recently about some girl who had twins, tried to get an abortion, wasn't able to. She lived in a state that wasn't able to. Uh now she has twins, and now she's lamenting that she's not able to go to the beach and hang out, you know, on vacation. And, and uh, again, I I don't want to condemn anybody specifically for their personal life, whatever. But the mentality is more what I'm speaking about. Think about gender roles and how we've kind of demonized men recently and lately as you know being too powerful or you know just the whole you know the whole gender ideology and and men and men and women and there's no really such thing as men and women and just that whole conversation how that could lead potentially to less relationships and and reproduction
0: well i mean just just biologically right, right? we yeah. have we have that where i'm sorry but we still are not god and men yeah. can't have babies right so again depending on what that tra- trajectory of you know your your gender choice and all these things that, ch- that that people are going through right now is hey i mean you can want to be a woman and think that you are a woman all you want but you still can't have children yeah. now you can adopt but like you can't physically have children and and if you're if you're living in a country that is is at that lower birth rate from continuing to maintain the population, like, okay, you're just hurting the numbers. Yeah.
1: Yeah, The way I see, I've grown to see kids. Obviously before we had kids, we wanted to, and we would always say, we would always say, we want to enjoy marriage first before we have kids. So that was our mentality, right? We want to have fun. And
0: again, there's both sides because there's legitimacy there because, okay, now we're going to enjoy marriage and we're going to get to know each other. Mm -hmm. without that chaos without that stress so that when we do have kids like we have a solid firm foundation to our relationship so now like we are hedging ourselves against divorce against a broken family
1: yeah. so I get that yeah and, and that was our thought before we had kids but we always knew we wanted kids yeah and then before we had kids and and in and, and the early stages of kids it was about having a relationship and that love and and being able to love something unconditionally. And that, that's what I thought about when I wanted to have kids. Yeah. Now it's, it's still that, but it's also now I consider a contribution to society. Yeah. How do I replace myself Mm -hmm. with contributing members? that are going to do good in this world. Yeah. That's what I think of when I think of my kids. And I think that's probably an old school mentality you know your kids they you know help, with the, your, legacy, help. Yeah, help right? with the family business they help yeah they help with the family business they help on the farm they help you survive they take care of you when you're older that's that's the mentality I start to have now is how can i replace myself with contributing members of so, so that society continues moving forward in, in the right direction mm-hmm. so it's not just about having kids it's about having future contributing members yeah. to me. Now that sounds cold, but I'm talking about, I still have the mentality of relationship and I love my kids, but I'm also looking out for the future of society Yeah, and, and the betterment of my community. Well, that's, how why, can I raise that's why we members? teach our kids manners. That's
0: why right. we teach our kids discipline. That's why we do all those things is because you are at some point when you are at an age where you can contribute, then you do. And that's, that's the point of it.
1: Yeah. And apparently, statistically speaking, yeah, more people are starting to go towards this dopamine of yeah. how can I pursue my own success? Yeah. And these I mean, how many countries do we list there? Yeah. Where it's below replacement? I mean, that's horrible. That's really scary. Mm-hmm. That is the end of humanity if we can't replace our current yeah. Yeah, population. Yep. Okay. Enough doom and gloom. How do we how do we what do we do with this? How do we fix this? So there's only there's only one thing that will save us. The ability to achieve a better balance to overcome our obsession with more and appreciate the unlimited complexity of reality and learn to enjoy the things that we have. So how do we find the balance? How do we find the balance between future-oriented dopamine and living in the moment? From the book, it says, dopamine and the H&N neurotransmitters evolved to work together. They often act in opposition to one another, but that helps maintain stability among constantly firing brain cells. The modern world drives us to be... All dopamine all the time. Too much dopamine can lead to the productive misery, while too much H&N can lead to happy indolence. To live a good life, we need to bring them back into balance. How can the ordinary person find balance? Dopamine alone will never satisfy us. But it's constantly promising us that the satisfaction is right around the corner. One more donut, one more promotion, one more conquest. How do we get off the treadmill? It's not easy, but there are ways. And this book talks about three practical ways that we can find, strike that balance between future dopamine and here and now uh, appreciation of reality. So from the book, number one, master a skill. Mastery is the ability to extract the maximum reward from a particular set of circumstances. From dopamine's point of view, mastery is a good thing, something to be desired and pursued, but it's different from other good things. When mastery is achieved, dopamine has reached the pinnacle of its aspiration, squeezing every last drop out of an available resource. Mastery is the point at which dopamine bows to H&N. Having done all it can do, dopamine pauses and allows H&N to have its way with our own happiness circuits. Even if it's the only for a short time, dopamine doesn't fight the feeling of contentment. Mastery also creates a feeling of what psychologists call an internal locus of control. This phrase refers to the tendency to view one's choices and experiences as being under one's own control as opposed to being determined by fate, luck, or other people. In addition to making people feel good, an internal locus of control also makes people effective. Those who have an external locus of control, by contrast, take a more passive view of life. Some are happy, relaxed, and easygoing, but at the same time, they often blame others for their failures and may not put forth their best effort on a consistent basis. You heard anything like that lately? Mm-hmm. The development of an internal locus of control, as well as contentment, if only for a little while, are among the many benefits of achieving mastery over an activity, but it takes an enormous amount of time and effort, as well as constant mental stretching. Mastering a skill requires a student to constantly move outside her comfort zone. It's a tough slog, but it can be a great joy. Those who don't give up generally feel it's worth it. It can result in a feeling that they have found their passion, something so engrossing they become completely immersed in it.
0: So clarify for me is mastery, does it give you the same feeling as dopamine or
1: it's, it's the pursuit of mastery is that dopamine. Okay. And then achieving mastery, which they say when you achieve mastery, now the H and N can take over. You can appreciate that. Now I can appreciate it,
0: but I can actually just do it without having to chase it. And then the fact that you have mastered it, now that gives you still suppresses the yes. dopamine because you've yeah. well
1: because it gives you what it calls an internal locus of control you yeah. feel like you've accomplished yeah. it yeah i guess my only my only rebuttal is some of us like me never feel like we've mastered anything oh yeah yeah <laughs> so it's gonna be a constant pursuit for me yeah to feel like i'm mastering something yeah, i think you've got a
0: yeah what's what's your definition of mastering a right. skill there right because yep. if you say you know mastering cooking okay then I've got to be the most successful chef ever. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, how do you how do you measure how you, that? How do you measure that? Right. Um, you know, as Tom Brady, Tom Brady could say, "Hey, I'm going to master being a quarterback." Yeah. Okay. Arguable, but there's always going to be an argument. Why do against you think it. he keeps coming back and yes. playing more? Right.
1: Because he doesn't feel like he's mastered it. That's
0: right. That's right. So you've got. I think you've got to set and define what. Yeah. Mastering that is—it's like probably
1: me, more little type stuff, you know, yeah. like little hobbies or th- you yeah. Know, and again, to your point, how do you define mastery? Yeah. I would—I would argue the simplest definition could be, uh, you know, becoming extremely proficient. Yeah. So, so how do you become proficient? So you mentioned for you, would be woodworking. Yeah. How do you become extremely yeah. proficient? I would. I would, from my perspective, you've mastered. Woodworking. <laughs> you're very, very good at it. Other than your taco table. You're very, very good <laughs> at the, it. By the way, my brother-in-law, who really <laughs> truly is a master, he explained what happened. Right. So, so somebody who's pursuing woodworking, uh-huh. to an outside perspective, I would say you've mastered it because you're really, really good at it. You yeah. probably wouldn't say so. So I guess that's all that really matters yeah. is what is your dopamine right. telling you. Right, right, right. Um, but to your point, yeah, I think you've got
0: to define it at a certain point before you're a master. And like for example, if you were to say, "Hey, I'm going to master real estate," mm-hmm. I guarantee you, five years ago, if you said, "Hey, here is what it looks like to master real estate is make you know do X," da da da, like you would look at it right now and you'd be like, "All right, I've mastered, mastered it." it yeah. It now it looks like now you're different. like, "Oh my yeah. gosh, I'm still an amateur," right. right? Yeah. And I say that about you all the time. This you dude is an amateur. This <laughs> dude's <Steve's> a clown. <laughs> but but you know what I mean? Is like you just got. I think that you've got. You've, if you can write it down and you can keep a hold of it, like, okay, now, like, I'm just little bits of dopamine to, like, progress, progress, yeah. progress. But, like, don't lose sight of what mastery yeah. is from an unmastered's point of view.
1: That's right. Unmastered's. You just meant a new word. Yeah, you like that. <laughs> Speaking of mastery, you have mastered the English language. <laughs> Best. <laughs> The best of words. (laughs) Number two, reduce instances of multitasking, Tyler. In spite of what technology addicts may believe, multitasking or paying attention to more than one thing at a time is impossible. When you attempt to do more than one thing, you shift your attention between the tasks and end up compromising on both. You also make more mistakes when you try to multitask. Interruptions of only a few seconds can double the number of errors you make on a task that requires concentration. It's not just the distraction that causes the mistakes. Switching back and forth consumes mental energy and fatigue makes it harder to concentrate. A study from, you'll appreciate this, a study from the University of California, Irvine in collaboration with Microsoft and the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, that's MIT. MIT. That's MIT for you peasants out there, tracked the work habits of people who spent most of their day online. The average amount of time, this is staggering, the average amount of time, they spent on one task before switching to another was only 47 seconds. Oh my God. Over the course of the day, they switched between tasks more than 400 times. That's insane. Those who spent less time before jumping to something also experienced higher levels of stress and got less work done. If for no other reason than that, they repeated the switch task maneuver 400 times instead of only once after each task was completed. In addition, the decreasing productivity, high levels of stress also cause fatigue and burnout.
0: See, and I think, go back and listen if you haven't. Go back and listen to the episode we did with uh, Near, Near AL. A.L. Yeah. yeah. While you're talking. Um, Undistractable. Yeah. I'm gonna, indistractable. <laughs> yeah, indistractable. <laughs> Undistractable. Same difference. Um mm-hmm. And, and he I, talks believe, about that. I it's, believe the
1: title was why to-do lists suck or yeah. why to-do lists are stupid, something like that yeah. by Neryl with Neryl. So go yeah. back and it's worth your time. To it go back
0: really, really that. is. It's, it, it's powerful. And he just talks about blocking and it's like, literally I'm time blocking this amount of time to do only this task. And I'm not going to do anything else. And that's, and being able to really try to stay within that. Okay. That blocking system and saying, I'm, I'm finishing this task before I
1: move on to the next one. That's right. That's right. And lastly, speaking of woodworking, Pursue your hobbies. Creativity is an excellent way to mix together dopamine and h and Woodworking, knitting, painting, decorating, and sewing are old-fashioned activities that don't get much attention in our modern world, which is exactly the point. Mm-hmm. These activities don't require smartphones or apps or high-speed internet. They require brains and hands working together to create something new. Our imagination conceives the project. We develop a plan to carry it out, then our hands make it real. Fixing things also boosts self-efficacy and increases one's sense of control, H&N H&M delivering dopaminergic gratification. Cooking, gardening, and playing sports are among many activities that combine intellectual stimulation with physical activity in a way that will satisfy us and make us whole. These activities can be pursued for a lifetime without becoming stale. Creativity is different because it stirs together H&N H&M with dopamine. The result is stronger and more durable. That's what happens to dopaminergic pleasure when you add physical Mm H&N. But most people don't bother to engage in acts of creation, like drawing pictures, making music, or building model airplanes. There's no practical reason to do these things. They're hard, at least in the beginning, and they probably won't earn us money or prestige or guarantee us a better future. But they might make us happy. Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) Telling you. Instead of ordering that next thing on amazon or you know going out and buying a new toy or doing something just think about something at at your home uh somewhere that you're at that like oh that would be really cool to have i'm telling you do some research figure out how to make it yourself Mm. just figure it out there are so many resources out there to learn how to do this. Like I literally was watching this weekend. I spent forty-five minutes watching a video on how to build a warming shed. You know what a warming shed is?
1: Uh, I thought so, but maybe not.
0: Uh, up north, up north. Oh, like
1: I was thinking more like barbecue. No, no, no. Okay. A
0: warming shed, like up north, like hockey. When you do these outdoor rinks, you got a warming shed. You literally have this like, but essentially it's like a barn. Uh, like it's a little barn. It's a, it's a little room that you can have, right? So I'm looking at how, and I'm learning
1: how to frame this. Have you walked outside in Texas lately? Yes. So it'll be
0: perfect, right? <laughs> perfect. So it'll actually be a cooking shed. It will I've got a warming shed for you
1: outside. Right. It'll <laughs>
0: literally cook you. But again, the things that I've done around around my house and and learned how to do it. So you get that that dopamine mm-hmm. kick for learning something new and then you finish it and then you get the like gratification. People are like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe you made that. And it's yeah. like the stuff that was basic as could be when our parents grew up or, be, yeah. or before that. Right. It's kind of embarrassing. Actually. And then <laughs> now it's like, Oh my gosh, you made a floating shelf. How did you do that? That's Are magic. you Jesus? <laughs> oh, how did you do that? It's like it literally took 13 minutes. You know what I mean? But like, it's so uncommon, but what it does is is it it provides that sense of self accomplishment it provides the focus on the one thing that's what i love about woodworking is that literally when i i would spend 12 hours in the garage just focused on measurements just focused on perfect cuts just focused on okay where the screw placement is i mean anchoring gluing i mean all the little details staining sanding i mean
1: The little tiny details, and I'm telling you, like that's the best I I feel. And that's part of the magic in it. Yeah. Guess what you weren't focused on when you're sitting there trying to make the perfect cut and staying? You weren't focused on financial trouble. No. You weren't focused on problems at work. You get an RFP responded to. You weren't focused on the future of whatever your business or your occupation. All you were focused on was the here and now of that 12 hours, that moment. I'm guessing that was the most freeing 12 hours the problem is we don't give ourselves near enough now again you don't want to <laughs> neglect all responsibility no, and just no, no, turn no. into a woodworker no unless that is providing for your family but yeah. at the same time i don't ever like painting was always that thing for me yeah and i used to paint when i was you know, when we were first married and didn't have kids yeah. i would paint all, like saturdays were my days to paint yeah and that you know we didn't have anything to do and i would sit there for hours and just paint yeah and low stress, and again, life has changed, and I get that I'm not gonna be able to sit there for hours on a Saturday, but why can't I do that at least a little bit? Yeah. I don't do it at all anymore. Yeah. And in fact, over the weekend, we actually went out and got some paint. My five-year-old wanted to paint. Nice. So went out and did that, and and I want to start making it a normal routine again yeah. because it, it truly is a moment where you're just so present. Yeah. And, and that, it's not, it is about that moment, For sure, but that's just a practice rep. Yeah. That's a rep in the bank for how to appreciate moments.
0: Yeah, and and again, it's the it's it's combating this dopamine. I want the new thing, the new thing, the new thing. So I'm gonna go out and I'm gonna buy this or I'm gonna buy that and I'm gonna put it in the garden or I'm gonna put it in the yard or I'm gonna put it in the house and I'm gonna do this. And it then it's then it's next, right? Mm -hmm. And then it's oh gosh, that that coffee table, it looks good. Okay, now I need an end table. Okay, now I need a new nightstand. Now I need You like you're always going and looking for the next thing. But what it does is it slows you down. It's the idea of like as a kid, like for me, is my parents bought me a bike. I didn't care about it. I left it out. I had to buy my own bike. I cared about that. Never yeah. left it out. It's nice. the same same idea. You put the time and effort into creating something using your hands, tying the creative with your actual physical and then there's a different level of appreciation for it.
1: Yeah. And if it's not woodworking or art, maybe it's yeah. like our, our producer, David, he loves the golf. Yeah. Maybe it's, you know, it talks about physical activity Yep, and just that time that you're not thinking about life stress, you're doing something physical. This is exercise for me. So I guess in a way I do, do I do this Yeah, every single, every single morning. Mm. This is my time of all I'm focused on is that workout at hand. Yep. So in conclusion, and to wrap up this book, Our dopamine circuits are what make us human. They are what give our species its special power. We think, we plan, we imagine, we elevate our thoughts to ponder abstract concepts such as truth, justice, and beauty. Within those circuits, we transcend all barriers of space and time. If we aim to be great, we will probably have to accept the fact that misery will be part of it. It's the goad of dissatisfaction that keeps us at our work while others are enjoying the company of family and friends. But those of us who prefer a life of happy fulfillment have a different task to accomplish, the task of finding harmony. Mm -hmm. We have to overcome the seduction of endless dopaminergic stimulation and turn our backs on the never-ending hunger for more. If we're able to intermingle dopamine with H&N, we can achieve that harmony. All dopamine, all the time, is not the path to the best possible future. Its sensory reality and abstract thought working together unlocks the brain's full potential. Operating at its peak performance, it becomes capable of producing not only happiness and satisfaction, not only wealth and knowledge, but a rich mixture of sensory experience and wise understanding, a mixture that can set us down the path toward a more balanced way of being human. Mm. Thought that was a great way to end it. That's good. Closing thoughts, Ty.
0: That's good, man. It's it's very real, very very real. Um, I mean, I love that you know. Hey, he broke it down to just a a chemical a chemical reaction, right? There, there's there's science behind it. It makes a lot of sense. It's a whole lot more logical than I think I thought it was going to be. It mm-hmm. was um, I when you're like, oh, yeah, it breaks it down to a molecular level. And like I was kind of like, oh, crap, he's going to get like into the, the weeds of the science. Oh, it, it
1: gets in the weeds. I just skipped over that. Oh, thank you. Yeah, to save you. Thank you. But, again,
0: it all makes sense. And that's sense. why I
1: encourage you. Go read the book. If, if you're interested in that stuff, go read the book. We left out a ton. There's yeah. so much good information in this book. Yeah. Go read it.
0: No, it's good, and it's so true. And I mean, it was uh, <laughs> uh, it was it, it caused me to look in the mirror for sure yeah. because there's so many things that I just continue to chase and chase and chase and chase and chase. And I'm on that treadmill, I'm on that hamster wheel, I'm chasing that carrot. And um, it's it's good to identify one of you know some of the reasons for that, and that you can acknowledge, okay, I have a problem, I need to address it, and at least I know where to start
1: yeah, I mean, if, if money and big houses and cars and, and all that stuff, if that's what drives you, great, go for it. Mm-hmm. But if you think that's going to fill the void and you think that's going to be the end all be all for the happiness that you're seeking, mm-hmm. this book laid out, you're wrong. Yeah. You are chemically, we are chemically wired and designed in a way to seek more, mm-hmm. constantly seeking more. Yeah. And so those material things will not fill that void. We're yeah. living testimonies to that. 100%. Both of us. You live in arguably everyone's dream house right now. And I would, don't let me put words in your mouth, but my thought is like, that was cool, but it's the, the cool's kind of worn off a little bit. Yeah. And you're looking for the next place. I don't know if you are or not, but mm-hmm. that's the thought is, right. okay, now how do we get to the next place? Yeah. So if you had sought that house to think, this house is going to solve every one of my problems, My life's going to be complete once I get the house. How many weeks did it take for you to settle in? And it's like, well, this is normal house. This is where we live. Yeah. Didn't take long. Yeah. So if you're constantly seeking it and I'm as guilty as anybody, and I still want the cool things. Trust me. Yeah. I still want, you know, uh, you know, a great retirement plan and to be able to travel. Those are the things that drive me. Yeah. But I've understand, I've understood over the last year or two, and this book has helped me understand that stuff will not fill that void. What's going to fill that void for me personally? What I've come to know is relationships are going to fill that void. Yeah. Serving others is going to fill that void. Personal excellence is going to fill that void. Doing things for other people, well, to me, that's my definition of true happiness. And
0: one thing that I, you know, this book didn't hit on. Maybe it did, but we didn't read it. Was even just the spiritual aspect of it, you know. And yeah, he and, didn't. And, and, I, and I get it. It was very much about, you know, the, the chemicals and, you know, the measurables. But the, you talk about filling that void, and there's there's a big element of that is that's spiritual. Because if you are, are highly, highly driven by dopamine, right, again, you're trying to fill something that is permanent with something that's temporary. And you, and you can't. And so, again... The, the spiritual aspect of it is filling something that's permanent with something that's eternal. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Yep. And so that, that's just another, another element to like look, a lens to look. Yeah. When, if, when you read this book, if anybody reads this book, you know, keep that in mind as well.
1: Yeah, well, and again, even if you're not religious, it's still the seeking after of I said something bigger than yourself. Not religious. Well, let's, let's be clear: even if you're not spiritual necessarily, yeah. or you don't believe in a you know a yeah. higher power, it's the it's the seeking after of, or it's understanding that this isn't about you. There's more to this than you. Yeah. Um, that, was, but that was my biggest takeaway: is, yeah. is the whole. You, know, everybody talked about it growing up, and you hear it. You know, stuff won't make you. Happen. And may and, and again. I don't want to demonize the people that are driven by that. That's fine. Go for that. I'm just saying, for me personally, I've come to realize that the stuff isn't going to fill it. That's right. So, again, the book is The Molecule of More, and it's written by Daniel Lieberman and Michael Long. I highly recommend you check it out yourself. I think it's 17, 18 bucks. I mean, we've talked, I've said, I'll probably say this every time we do a book review. The fact that you can get three, four, five years, a lifetime of somebody's knowledge for 20 bucks. And a little bit of your time is fascinating to me. That we can read somebody's work all in one resource is fascinating to me. So, highly recommend you go check out the book, The Molecular more Daniel Lieberman, Michael Long. Good Uh, job, Ben. That was that really was that was fun. Well, uh, I'm reading a couple different books right now. I'll see which one maybe uh, sticks out. The one I haven't started, I just bought it was, um, the Boy Crisis. Oh yeah, yeah. Talking about our young men. And Yo, what's going on come yeah. on, I think uh, I think we need to dive into that one. Yeah. I haven't started yet, but once we once we get it done, we'll, yeah. we'll dive into in. You'll that, know a couple so. chapters in. Yeah, that's right. Uh, also coming up, we've got our Saturday suffering. Be on the lookout for that, Tyler. I just let Tyler know. I guess we teased it yesterday, but I forgot that Tyler doesn't actually didn't, I didn't actually know the it. workout. I he knows now. the workout now. I Do know now, and he's not excited for it. I'm not yeah. excited for it. It, it. I think it'll be again the appropriate level of suffering and, yep. and fun all at the same time so yep. be on the lookout for that if you're in dfw should we should we open this one up or we want to keep this one a little more uh Let's we'll talk it. about that later yeah no no, no behind the scenes. but anyway yeah be on the lookout for that on our youtube channel uh follow us on instagram at one.shot.pod uh we're on youtube the one shot podcast any uh closing thoughts closing no statements from your end uh no, no? All good. All right, y'all. Appreciate you. Have a great rest of the week, and we'll see you next week.